0: the picture today, and I'll show you something, then I'll jump to my slides. I got to go uh, train with the Marines at Quantico one time, and uh, I went to Paris Island and trained with them down there, and then I went to Quantico in Washington, D.C. We're on a V-22 Osprey. That's a helicopter that flies sideways, and so I thought that was cool, so they clicked the picture, and then we took off, and uh, as we were flying sideways, I, I have that odd feeling I look out the back of this thing, and I'm seeing the sky's on my right and the grass is on my left, and I just thought, wow, this is a unique experience. I've, I rarely see uh, sky to a side, but uh, usually it's over top of my head, but uh, uh, that's a mystery. How do these things even work? So I got a mystery that way, and I'm thinking, okay, jump on this plane. We'll fly you around for a half an hour, and I did. We sat down and took off, and I enjoyed it. Uh, see any other mysteries? I saw one of the Marines at the back. She was a young officer there, and uh, when we got close to landing, she just sort of slid right out of the back of the thing. I was getting ready to go grab her. I thought, "Well, she's leaving." No, she's tethered on. She slides out to make sure the landing gear is down into place, and then she pulls herself back in and goes like this, thumbs up. There we took off again. There are a lot of questions I had, but um, they're sort of mysteries to me. I learned some of them, so I don't always know exactly what God's going to use me for or how He's going to teach me. I don't have an answer for everything, but I'm glad. Uh, That means God has answers. So I get to be a speaker, and I get to talk about mysteries this week, and I'll give you a mystery of when I was a little kid. I was about your age, my brothers went to camp out in Colorado. We went to a navigator's camp and it was called Eagle Rock and so they went to Glen area and I got to go to the other one. On the way out there, we were driving in a car from Virginia to Colorado. This is an old car, it was like a Dodge, it was about like a 52 Dodge. Pretty old at the time and as we were driving across the country, I didn't expect anything to happen so uh, I'm sort of sitting in the back and I'm like you know, when you're a little kid, everything's exciting. Adults, I can still remember, it's, it's crazy how I can remember these things. It's uh, mysteries. I can remember so much. Uh, the driver was Hayes Shelton, and Hayes is driving. He'd switch occasionally have someone else drive. I can still remember, it's odd, that he had opened up a glove box, take out a toothbrush. He was just really, uh, what would you call that, a little crazy on it. He brushed his teeth all the time. You know what he'd do with the toothpaste? Okay, and so he'd just swallow the toothpaste as would goes, put that back in there. But I can remember driving along in his old car, and talk about a mystery. Uh, I never thought about this until we were driving along, and all at once we heard this big boom like that, and a back spring, they call it a leaf spring. It starts off small. you get got little pieces of metal, and then they get bigger and bigger. That's why they call it a leaf spring. The back had broke, and the back of the car went down, and he, of course, tells everybody to get on this side. We're about sitting on each other. I'm only, I don't know, nine or ten at the time, somewhere close to your age. And uh, as he got us over on there, we somehow got off of the interstate. And we thought, here's a mystery. What question crossed our mind? How are we going to get this car stopped? And how are we going to get it fixed? And God in heaven is just smiling. And he says, I'm going to teach that little boy named Edgar Moser, about 10 years old, how I can provide for people, and he doesn't have a clue. So he gets us off of interstate in the middle of nowhere in a 52 Dodge that most people wouldn't even know anything about. If we'd have went to a car parts place and asked for a part, the person behind the counter would have probably laughed a little bit like, you want what? That'd be like us going in and saying, I need a spare tire for a stagecoach, you know, it'd be like that, and like, so God's going to provide, so we got off of this road, and we, we traveled along, sort of like the car limping along, that we didn't want to sit on this side, it might cut a tire, so we pulled into this old farmhouse to use their phone, and as we went up to the farmhouse, the guy answered the door, and he said, could I help you, and I, I can remember the older people of the car saying, can we use your phone, because we've got to find some help for the car and don't know what to do and the guy at the door says what kind of car you got out there and we said like I can still remember them saying it's like a 52 Dodge we're getting ready for the man to probably start laughing instead he says this I used to have a car like that what's wrong with it we broke a back leaf spring I got a leaf spring in my barn that y'all can have you just got to get somebody to put it on Okay, we need a part in the middle of nowhere, and God brings us to a farmhouse. The man answers the door, and used to have a car like ours. And Oh, yeah, that part's right in It goes out and gets the part. We have someone put it on. We're back on the road in probably in an hour. How would you explain that mystery? That's a miracle. Has to be. Out of all the miracle, He happens to have us pull up to a farmhouse that just happens to have what we need. Now, some people who are not believers would say that's just a coincidence. Really? Or y'all got real lucky. I don't even like the word luck. I know you say, well, I use that. I don't, I'm not preaching. I just say, I don't like it. I don't like it. Hey, good luck. Luck has nothing to do with it. It's God's grace. God leads us to a farmhouse and a miracle occurs. Uh, That was a mystery to me. How are we going to get this thing back on the road? And God says, I've got this. Last night when I started talking about mysteries, Psalmist David, I hope you didn't miss this. The psalmist David looks up and he reads, he writes this verse that basically says this, God, I look up and I see all this planet and this world and you've got stars and all these if I ask you right now, count all these stars, you'd say, Yeah, Edgar, you're crazy. Uh, count these stars. God knows them by name. So he says, Count the stars. No, I named the stars. And the psalmist says, as I look at those stars, I'm just mesmerized to think, who am I that you even care about me? Who am I that you even take notice of me? So we went into Luke 15, and we gave you the answer. We found our answer by solving this mystery. There are three lost things. Review time. What was the first thing lost? Uh, There he is. You're exactly right. We have a lost sheep. Number two. Yeah, I had a coin that was lost. By the way, that looks like uh, Caesar on that coin. Is that coin valuable? I would think it is. What's the last one? So the coin, and then we go down to the sun, and I said, which one's more valuable? We'd say people are more valuable, I would think. But I'm just saying the story, this is a parable. It's an earthly story that has a heavenly meaning. My point was this here's a mystery. Does God really love us? or Why does God even care is what the psalmist is saying. God does more than care. He loves you. And he picks three valuable things to these people. The lamb was valuable because the shepherd left how many sheep behind? 99 to go hunt this one. That lamb must be valuable. The woman sweeps her floor. How many coins did she have? 10. See, it's sort of like proportional there, isn't it? 99 we go and find that lost one ten, we go and find the lost When She sweeps the floor. She looks under everything and finds that coin. And the last one, he loses his son, but his son comes home. All three reactions, the people did what when they found what they lost? They rejoiced. There's a mystery solved. So I'm that sheep? Yes. And you're that coin and you're that son. And when God finds you, you say, why does God even care? Because he loves you. And He made you to have a relationship with Him. And He wants fellowship with you. So the mystery to God, God knows all things, I'm just saying that, but the, sort of like the mystery to me is God made us to have a friendship and fellowship and a relationship with Him and we run the other way. It's sort of like, hey, I bought me a dog, finally. We take the leash off, he runs away. Well, so much for that friendship. I, I bind a dog and I have him as my pet and God makes us to have us as close friends to Him. We take off and run the other way. So God says, I long for you to come home. I long to find you. I gave you this example that we're sort of like that. What's that name of that stamp? That's an inverted Jenny. The name of the plane and that's Jenny. So it's an inverted Jenny. That's roughly worth a million dollars. say, wow, I would probably hunt that. You are that inverted Jenny stamp. God's hunting you down. Maybe he'll find you this week at camp. The mystery is, I don't know. Matter of fact, I don't know when the end of the world is. That's a mystery. They ask Jesus, when's the end of time? Jesus says, that's not for man to know, only the Father knows, not even the Son knows. You say, he must know now, he's in heaven. I I don't know, but I'm just saying, I don't know when the end of time comes. That's a mystery. So here's a mystery. There's the place in England that's called Stonehenge. The mystery is, I don't know how it was built. How can that thing on the plain of Salisbury Plain in Wiltshire, England... That each little stone weighs 25 tons. How was it built? I don't know. So there are going to be some unsolved mysteries. So I'm going to pick a mystery today out of the Bible. And here's a mystery. Who is this mysterious man? Hmm. Let's pray real quick. Thank you, Jesus, that today we're going to look at a mystery in the Bible. And we're going to see that you already knew the answer. And matter of fact, you are the answer. I thank you, Jesus, that today it's going to be so clear to us. I pray that in advance. Lord, you know what's on our hearts. You know each person in this room. That's no mystery to you. It is to me. I don't know what people are going through, but you do. Mysteries are solved through the all-knowing God that we pray to. So, Jesus, would you touch our hearts? Speak to us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, here's our mystery man. I want you to take some clues and look at this. As we talk about this mystery person today, I have no idea. Uh, you might agree with me when you uh, consider these things. There are several stories in the Bible that speak of mysterious people. One story is in Joshua chapter 5, chapter 5, 13, 14, and 15. A mysterious man shows up just before Joshua was about to go into the city of Jericho. This mysterious man is unknown to Joshua, so Joshua bravely decides to ask him a question. Whose side are you on? Basically, that's saying, Who are you? Let's hear his answer. So, in Joshua chapter 5, Joshua is going to ask us a question of a man. Now, anybody tell me about the, the place of Jericho? What's, what's important about Jericho? Yes? He's got the walls around. How long does it take him to get into that place? Well, they march around it six days, one time each day. And on the seventh day, they march around it seven times. So 13 times they're going around this city. That's mysterious. Why? They get into this city without firing a shot. God told them to do it. Okay. So the walls, you're exactly right. The walls are going to make it impenetrable. We can't get into this city. God says, I got you covered. Here's your plan. And I'm sure Joshua probably thought... Okay, by the way, you know that story, they did make it into the city and they overcame their enemies and they captured it. But just before they go into the city, I think this mysterious man that shows up in Joshua chapter 5 that you might not have ever heard about. Joshua is probably nervous. He's just like you, just before you do something that's... If you've never been nervous, say, hey, I'll shake your hand afterwards because I get nervous all the time. Let me tell you some things that... What make me nervous? What makes me nervous? I uh, played a few sports in high school, just for a game starter, just for a track meet starter, just for anything. They say you have some people have these in their stomach. It's an old expression. What do you have? Butterflies in your stomach, like oh, I'm a little bit nervous. And you're sort of you either two things that they used to do in sports. I'd either have people pacing back and forth, like oh, they're just in another world over there. They're just all by themselves. Other, they're real quiet. You got the other people that they talk a lot. So they'll come up before a track meeting, hey, how you doing? I almost feel like I'm the person that's not talking. These are the people that talk constantly. So you're sort of nervous. You're you're waiting for that gun to fire. You're waiting for the tip off, or you're waiting. It makes you nervous. How about sitting in a doctor's office? Sometimes if the doctor said, let me give you this. Has anybody ever had blood drawn in there? Do you like that? No, not really. Now, my wife, I've got, I'm, in my family, my wife has given 30 gallons of blood. She doesn't mind it. My son's the opposite. If they say, we're going to draw blood, they start to do this, and my son will go, Phew. I've seen him actually about to slide down a wall. He didn't faint, but he was close. He doesn't even like to see it. My wife gives 30 gallons. They're sitting there drawing out. She does this thing called pheresis. They pull the blood out of one arm, put it through, pull the platelets out, and that helps people who can't uh, clot. They have trouble. With, or are premature babies that need blood. So they pull all that out, pull the platelets out of the very back, and then they put her own blood in her back in her other arm. takes about two hours. And she's sitting there, just watching a movie, no big deal. Me and my son both. I'd probably be closer to my son. I'd be over on the floor almost. So she doesn't get nervous. My son does. Or the dentist, now we're just going to drill just a little bit. <laughs> you know, it's like, mm. what makes you nervous? Dentist or doctor's office, taking a big test. Take this test, whatever you make. You either fail or pass. <laughs> okay, a lot of pressure. I teach driver's education to older students. I give the test. If they fail it, they don't get their license. If they pass it, they do. Yeah. I've had people so nervous before that they about throw up. You know, it's like, you know. We had chapel at Roanoke Valley Christian Schools a long time ago. I I teach there now. I came back to my school that I used to teach at years ago. But we had chapel one day. And we have anybody 12 years old? Okay, would you like to sing in front of 500 people? Some of you would. You're not scared. Matter of fact, I got two examples from that, too. In our chapel one day, I had this guy named Michael Wilshire, Michael stepped out, and he just let it rip, and I thought, man. I went up afterwards. I said, you're going to sing one day. I mean, I'm talking about big time, because <clears throat> you are, this just seems like it's no big deal to you. He says, oh, thanks, Mr. Moser, but no, it's really. I said, no. Well, guess what? He lives in Nashville now. He writes songs, and he actually sings. I, I could tell that when he was 12, but this other little girl, bless her heart, she got up, and she went out, and for some reason, they changed it now. Uh, I, I just don't know. We had 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th graders all in the same auditorium. And 12th graders are about 18. They're watching. That would make you nervous. And this little girl comes out, and the song was something like this. She was supposed to sing, He spoke the words, and all the stars came into order. That's what she was supposed to sing. And she came out, and she looked at that crowd, and (laughs) and she went... He, he spoke right there on the stage. I thought, oh, I felt so sorry for her. Everybody else laughed. You know, yeah, look at that. And I thought, you don't know what she's going through right now. I thought, oh, bless your heart. I mean, if I mess up, like last night we got up here and Stephen was good and we finally figured it out, and it's just a breaker switch over there. It kicked off a computer. I've been doing this long enough that it doesn't make you too nervous. But if that's the first time I'd ever spoke, I'm thinking, oh, but well, this doesn't work. That, that girl felt like that. Bless her heart, she threw up on the stage. Nervous. So is she nervous? Yes. Now I want you to take all those nervous situations, and that's Joshua. Why? Joshua, I think, is pacing back and forth. We've got to go into the city tomorrow. This is our first big battle. Never have fought too much. I don't know if the men are ready. I don't know if everybody is ready. I know if we win this thing, we are, huh. Is he like that? Sure. Sure, he's just pacing. And as he turns, Around one time, he goes, You know, if I and backs up and he sees this mysterious man, hand probably goes on his sword, but he's nervous. And he's sort of going to ask him, Are you for us or against us? Because if you're against us, that's what Joshua will probably do. He'll draw his sword. If you're for us, then he'll say, Why don't you lower your sword? Because this man's got. So you either lower your sword if you're on our side, or I'll draw mine because we are going to be in a battle. So he sees this mysterious man. By the way, is Joshua by himself? Just for a second, the story. The Bible doesn't really say this, but I have a feeling he is. I think the soldiers over here, some of those green beret, Army Ranger, Navy SEAL kind of people. Yeah, they're ready to conquer the world. They're going to charge hell with the squirt gun. I mean, yeah, you know, they're they're over there jumping up and down. Joshua's got that group like, yeah, they're going to be fighting tomorrow. They're excited. Joshua's all by himself. He's probably going, Ugh, i got to lead these people. No pressure. Who would Joshua take over for? Moses? No big deal. Just got to fill the shoes of a man who led a million and a half people. <laughs> I get to take over for Moses. And now I got to be a general in the army and now I get to lead him into Jericho. And Jericho's got walls so wide. Some Bible scholars say this and I believe it. They said the walls are so wide that you can build houses on them. Well, does the Bible say that? Rahab lived on the wall. Really? Her house was built on the wall. You could put a chariot and drive it around. This wall is basically probably seven or eight feet thick. So our first game, if this was a football season, he's the coach. He's sitting over there. The players are jumping up and down. Here's the coach just going, oh, first game, state champions, undefeated two seasons, and we get to open our season with them this year. Yes, you know. Joshua's nervous. Now, if you got the picture, here's Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 and 15. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him and a drawn sword in his hand. Remember what I said, if he's got a sword that's drawn, Joshua says, you either lower that sword, and if you're on our side, you will, or I'll pull mine. He wasn't expecting the battle to start this early. I thought Jericho was tomorrow or the next day. We're just praying. We're getting our head in the game here to ready for Jericho. He looks up and he sees a man. First of all, Josh was probably thinking, how did you get over here close to me? Not that Josh has got people around him, but chances are if he's a general, he might have what we call what? Bodyguards. yeah. There are Navy SEALs that stick close to him. When I trained with the Marines down there, I met a guy that uh, I shook his hand, and, and he was a chaplain in the Navy. Marines don't have chaplains. Actually, Marines are part of the Navy. Anyway, he was a chaplain. I spoke to him. I don't even know if he was saved. How can you be a chaplain? It's just a job to them. So I spoke to him, and I didn't really. Then this young man came over, and he's sort of like the aide-de-camp to the, he's the next, he's right close to the chaplain. Basically, you know what he is? He's a bodyguard for the chaplain. Because chaplains aren't supposed to carry weapons. This guy can. And I spoke to him, and he was a Baptist from North Carolina. We had a great old time. He was saved. I was glad. I said, do you know the chaplain? He said, not sure. It's funny, the guy that's assistant to him has got no rock solid in his faith, I heard the chaplain have a chance to share one day and he got up and read a poem. I thought, really? I mean, I would be disappointed if I had chapel with you guys and I just got up and twinkle, twinkle, a little star. Some of y'all would walk out the door going, who was that? I want something from this. Well, the chaplain never even said too much, but this bodyguard, it would stay close to him so he actually would, yeah, if his life's in danger, the bodyguard would take over. I have a feeling Joshua's got some bodyguards, only they're a little distance from him, and Joshua says, leave me be, I want to pray. Suddenly this stranger shows up, this mysterious man. Joshua's probably thinking, first of all, how'd you get over here close to me? He doesn't say that. And then he reaches, and the guy's got a sword drawn on him. So Joshua asks an amazing question. Who are you? Are you on our side or their side? And your is going to depend on what I do. Because if you say I'm on their side, guess what I'll do? It'll be on right here. What if he says, I'm on your side, what would Joshua do? sword goes back. I don't know who you are. I've never met you before, but glad you're on our side because <laughs> you look like a big guy. The man says an amazing answer. Hmm. Joshua went up to him and asked. I think that's bravery right now. He comes up to a total mysterious man stranger and goes, Whose side are you on? Are you for us or for our enemies? And the man's answer is, Neither. Joshua's like, I wasn't expecting that. You're on neither side? No, because what Joshua is saying, if this man says, I'm on your side, who's in charge of the Israelite army? Joshua. So if this man says, I'm on your side, he just now said, Joshua, you're my commander. If the man says, I'm on the enemy's side, then their commander's in charge. You know what he says by saying neither? I'm on not, I'm commanded by no one. I am the commander. Oh, when he says neither. So who's going to tell you what to do, us or them? Neither. Neither. That's an odd answer. Story continues. Neither. Whose side are you on? Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he said. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. What he just now said was this. I am the commander of the Lord's army. Who is this mysterious man? I think it's Jesus. You think that's a. Jesus showed up? I thought he was in Bethlehem. Now, some people may say it's an angel. Gabriel was a messenger angel. Who's the archangel? That was Michael. Michael's an archangel. Gabriel's a messenger angel. You got top notch angels. I don't think this is an angel. Because people don't worship angels. Well, some people may, but they're very confused if they do. Watch what Joshua does. As soon as he says, "Neither," but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Joshua. I don't know if he got a news flash or a bolt of lightning. Watch what Joshua says back. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence, and asked him, "What message does my Lord?" have for his servant. Okay, got to check out on the story. Who did Joshua take over for? Moses. When God spoke to Moses, what did God tell Moses to do from the... What did he speak to him from? Burning. burning bush. Moses went over to see the burning bush and the bush spoke. That was the voice of God that come out and he says, Stop. Do something. Take your shoes off, take your sandals off, because the ground you're now walking on is is holy ground. This is God Almighty saying, Moses, stop, kick your shoes off, humble yourself, come before me. This angel says something very similar. What message does my Lord have for his servants? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Stop, take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy. Holy so this is God this is God in the form of a man which would I'd call Jesus so this is Jesus I think so sometimes people think this God show up early this is pre-incarnate this is before Bethlehem I think that God's got angels at his disposal no doubt but if he went and said my son would you go on a mission for it? You may say, I disagree. Well, I'll I'll let you do that. I just happen to think Jesus has shown up a couple times. I believe this mystery that you're about to see. Let's solve the mystery. If this mysterious man showed up and Joshua immediately bowed down in reverence and worshiped and the angel, the mysterious man said, take your shoes off, I believe that's what God told Moses. I believe that's what Jesus was telling Joshua. So run this story by you again. Whose side are you on? And the angel basically says this, I'm not on either side. I'm here to take over. Oh, drops down. Take over then. So if Jesus says, I'm here to take over, has he ever taken over or took things from me? Oh, yeah. I get nervous sometimes. Today, my son, Andy, has got a, a meeting with some other chaplains. And I'll tell you, I'll just share that, that he's a little nervous. And I try to remind him of things like this. God's there to take over. You know what Andy has problems with is that he meets with fellow chaplains, but some of the chaplains aren't even Christians. He said he's heard several of them cuss. He's heard some of them. One who's the wing chaplain, that's sort of like the head boss, he doesn't even speak in chapel on Sunday. He lets other people know that. If you're the chaplain, you'd probably have your office at the what? The chapel. He says he's on the other side of the base, basically. So it's just a job. So if I came into that, Andy's got to meet with him, and Andy's going to stand up for truth. I'm proud of my son for doing that. So I've got to remind him, Andy, even in the midst of enemy, you think, well, they're not enemy, they're chaplains. Some of them strongly disagree with what Andy does, though they were having a meeting one day and people were getting a little bit rowdy you can tell emotions are there and and andy says you know anytime things like this happen he said i remember what you do dad and i do this sometimes i've called i've been in the middle uh, middle of a meeting before and people's emotions are getting the best and you know i say can we just stop and what pray and i've done that before i coached football at a school one time and i did that i was talking to the head coach and there was assistant coach and here's one and i felt like we were almost arguing i said you know what, can we just stop and pray? And the head coach looked at me like, what am I supposed to do? And I said, well, most people just bow their head. I didn't mean that to be ugly. I just, so I bowed my head and I said, Lord, you just got to take over this meeting. Take over. That's what this angel wanted to do. So I'm going to ask that Andy, they just take over. But Andy has a tough time when, he he said one day, he said, let's just pray and the, the wing chaplain, that's the boss said, there's a time and place for prayer and this is not it. Let's continue this meeting. Okay, you're the that would be like your pastor. You say, Pastor, would you pray with me? There's a time for this prayer, not now. anybody ever have a prayer, uh, pastor refuse to pray? I'm glad nobody's hand went up. Well, that'd be awful. If you come forward today and say, Edgar, is, is, Jesus here in this place? We can't see him, but I think he, where two or three are gathered together in His name, there he is in the midst. So yeah, Jesus is here. If you came up afterwards and said, would you just pray with me? No, I don't have time for you. Well, may I just quit speaking at camps? Sure I will. See, the devil acts like, nah, don't bother people. And he went to pray one day and he about refuses prayer. Uh, that's awful. So I want us to be men of prayer, ladies of prayer. I'll give you one last one it will stick with you. So we need this. Now you say, okay, I got, I got that angel in Joshua. Can I give you the last one before we go today? Abraham also encounters a mysterious man whose name is... I won't tell you who it is. Who is this man? Let's see what this man did and what Abraham's response was to him. Now Joshua, what did Joshua do as soon as he realized it was, I believe, Jesus? What did he do? He bows and worships. He says, take over. You run the show could this man really be someone we know by another name who later appears in the New Testament. Let's look at this mystery. So I got one mystery man down whose I think is Jesus. Here's another mystery man. Here's his name. Melchizedek. You say what's well, an odd name? I, I agree. Abraham goes to rescue his nephew Lot. And he rescues him rescues him because he Lot was living in Sodom and Gomorrah and Four kings go in, really five kings. are battling there and they go in they capture Lot and Abraham goes after him. And he rescues Lot and brings him back. And when he gets back, I'm telling this long story short here, uh, a man comes out whose name is Melchizedek. And you say, okay, what's the definition for Melchizedek? Melchizedek, whose name means king of the righteous, was a king of Salem, that is Jerusalem, and priests of the Most High. So he gets to be two things. He gets to be a righteous king. Uh, Okay, so he's a king and a priest. Can anybody raise their hand and tell me somebody in the New Testament who's both a king and a priest? Who? He's both? He's the king of kings, Lord of lords. He's like a priest. Well, technically I know that sons of Aaron were priests, but Jesus was... He got up and read the scrolls in the temple, yes, and soon people looked at him as though, man, where does this guy who come up in the poor town of Bethlehem preach better than anybody around here? So yeah, he's holy. So we've got to have a king and a priest and put them both together. Here's what Melchizedek, his story is. I think Joshua's story of the mysterious man. Well, Melchizedek, let me read you this. This is from the Old Testament. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. What does a priest do when you have communion? Isn't that amazing? Well, another coincidence. About like y'all finding that spring for the 52 dogs. No, it's not a coincidence. Abram comes back. Abraham comes back from rescuing Lot. The priest comes out, Melchizedek. He offers, to me, this is sort of like, well, maybe he's just giving them something to eat and something to drink. Okay, you can, but it just reminds me of communion when he gives them bread and wine. Only a priest can offer that. He was priest of God most high. Mm, Quite a title. And he blessed Abram. Only a priest can bless you. Saying, blessed be Abram. Hadn't had the name changed to Abraham yet, but you know who I'm talking about. Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. Praise be to God most high who delivered your enemies into your hands. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything he had. What do we call that today in church when you give a tenth? You're tithing. So Abram gives his priest, he really pays his tithe. I've never heard of tithe in the Old Testament before. It's only the 14th chapter of Genesis. Tithing hadn't been invented yet, so to speak, if you want to call it that. This priest comes along, this amazing, mysterious man, Melchizedek, and blesses Abram. Where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf, he has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, Hebrews in the New Testament tells us. It's like we've got a person named Jesus who was a lot like Melchizedek. I happen to think that you may disagree. I think Jesus is Melchizedek. Not every preacher thinks that. I'm just different. Hebrews 7, this Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of God most high. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. Abraham gave him a tenth of everything he had. First, the name Melchizedek means king of righteousness. Who would you give the name righteous to? Only Jesus. Now, we've been made righteous if you trust him. But king of righteousness and king of Salem. Salem is another name that later would be Jerusalem. Who's the king of Jerusalem? That's Jesus. King of peace. We've been calling Jesus another name. Jesus is the what of peace? You've heard this other title? Prince of peace. Without father or mother. Now, you tell me who did not have a father and mother. That must be, yeah, Jesus, Jesus had no father or mother. Well, he's got God the Father. I know the Trinity, God the Father and God the Son. But when Jesus came to earth, you said, well, Mary was his mother. But basically, Jesus had no father or mother. Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end. Oh, that was a big clincher right there. Without beginning of days or end. He has no beginning, he has no ending. He's eternal. Resembling the Son of God. Yeah, I would think Jesus resembles the Son of God pretty good. Now, there have been many of those priests since death prevented him from continuing in office, but because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he's able to save. This is a key verse. He's able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede. If you were to ask Jesus today and say, Jesus, do you still show up? Yeah, he's showing up now. Now, I can't see him. He's not that mysterious man that showed up to Joshua and said, I'm here to take over. He's not this mysterious Melchizedek that blessed Abraham. But I I think we can, you see, I can sense God being around us. Well, guess what? He's trying to do, verse 25, like he's done all his life. He's able to save us completely. Now, if he saves me completely, what else do I need to do? Nothing. He saves me completely. So I don't want to change or add anything to that. So he offers, Abraham offers a tithe to him. He gives him things. In turn, he gives him bread and wine, which is like what the priest would do for communion. And I think we've got another image of Jesus right here before us. Hmm. The mysterious man in Joshua's story, he did not have his name. The Bible calls him the commander of the Lord's army. I think that was Jesus. Shows up to Joshua to say, Joshua, take a good breath, calm down. We're going to win this battle tomorrow. But God, they got so many tall walls and they got so many soldiers. And I'm sure he gave Joshua some advice to say be strong and courageous. I'm with you. Joshua felt battle, felt better. And by the way, that battle was God's. Walls came tumbling down, they'd take over the city. Hmm. This mysterious man. Con Joshua. Later, Abraham has a mysterious, or in the book of Genesis, a mysterious person shows up. Abraham has just won a battle and comes back and this mysterious man shows up. By the way, if you don't think this is a mysterious man, he's mentioned in the Bible three times. Genesis. He listed in Hebrews right there. I gave you those verses. But one of the times in Psalms, Psalms 110, the psalmist David says something. this effect basically that we have one coming that's the Messiah who's in the order of Melchizedek Melchizedek mysterious man he's only mentioned three times in the entire 66 books of the Bible pretty mysterious can we get a big description I think he just shows up it's almost like he shows up and then does what disappears Wow. that's pretty mysterious I think so he just shows up and disappears he shows up to bless Abraham and then he shows up again Referred to in Hebrews, I think Melchizedek just happens to be Jesus. I think the commander of God's army is Jesus. My mystery for you today is going to be hopefully solved. Jesus shows up even before Bethlehem, and he shows up today. Pray with me. Dear Jesus, I'm glad you can show up, and even when we don't expect it, Joshua was startled by a man whose sword was drawn. You weren't there to take sides. You were there to take over. You weren't going to be on Joshua's side and let Joshua command you. Jesus, you were there to be the commander of Joshua. Lord, it's the same thing today as you speak to hearts. You're not here to help me do the best I can and hope that I get to heaven. You're here to take over for me and be my savior. And there you promise me I'll get to heaven. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You're not here to try to make me a better person to turn over a new leaf just to do the best I can. You're here to take over. You're here to say, let me be your Savior. I will forgive you of all your sins. I'll cleanse your heart. I'll wash you clean. I will fill you with the Holy Spirit, and I'm here to take over. Lord, I'm glad you do that. I'm glad you're the commander of my heart and my life. You are the commander, and we are the soldiers beneath you. So, Jesus, you're here today just like that mysterious man in Joshua's story, just like the mysterious man that showed up to Abraham. They called you a high priest of righteousness. You still are. You're the holy of holies. You are the king of kings. And again, I say like David, who are we that you even take notice of us? That's a mystery. But part of that mystery is because you love us and want to know us better. The Bible says you loved us before we love you back. So, Lord, I pray today if someone's here, they don't know you, that they would say, Lord, I want you to take over my life. Please forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart and be my Savior. I trust in you. I believe in you. I receive you into my life. And Jesus says, if you pray that prayer, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He'll come into your heart. He'll be your Savior. He'll change you. Bible says, if a man be in Christ, he's a new creation. So another mystery solved. Can we be saved? Absolutely. Some people wonder, how do I get to heaven? By receiving you, Jesus, as Savior. So, Lord, thanks for the two reminders of the mysterious men, one with the title of commander of the army, the other one with the title of Melchizedek, king of righteousness. Show you you had to be a king and a priest, and Jesus, you're both. You're a high priest. And you're our king of kings. Thank you today for chapel. Please speak to our hearts, Lord. The whole reason why we have chapel is to remind people of you and to remind them that you love them and want to know them. And you want them to know you. So, Lord, may we trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Mysterious men revealed today.